Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody, and how's it going? I'm Alex Goldstick, and you are listening to the Spring Forward Podcast. This episode is coming to you live from the Spring League Las Vegas, where we're nearing the end of the first camp of 2020. By the time this episode comes out, the Spring League will likely be in the middle of the second and final game day of the Las Vegas camp, where a new team, the Las Vegas Hughes, was introduced. The Hughes are quarterbacked by today's podcast guest, Zach Mettenberger. Zach was also with the Spring League two weeks ago in the Dallas area as the Spring League took on its first ever outside opponent in the Japanese national team. The Spring League prevailed by a score of 36-16 to in a game played at the Ford Center at the Star in Frisco, better known as the Dallas Cowboys practice facility. The game was fun and entertaining, and we all hope that it can be used as a jumping-off point for American football in Japan. Now, let's head to our interview with Zach Mettenberger. Zach Mettenberger is a 6'5 quarterback originally from Georgia. He's perhaps best known as the former starter for LSU and then the Tennessee Titans. We are taping this interview live from the Spring League Las Vegas, where Zach is currently in his second camp with the Spring League. Zach, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me on the pod, Alex. You're, you're originally from an SEC college town, the Athens, Georgia area, um, so this might be a question with a very obvious answer, but where does your love of football originate from? Um, yeah, my mom was uh, the... Uh, football secretary for the University of Georgia for 20 some odd years and uh, I essentially got to the opportunity to you know be raised in the football office so I was around football at a very young age and uh, yeah it kind of helped mold my uh, my love and passion for the sport. You did go to UGA where where you were, were born for a year and we don't need to get into how that ended but what's it like for a hometown kid to get the chance to be part of the, UG, the UGA football program? You know, I went in with the with the guy who was higher recruit, so it wasn't the greatest experience for me. Um, just because other everyone else wanted, the, you know, the five star guy to be the quarterback, so it wasn't that great. But um, it's very cool being able to, you know, be five minutes from home and be in school. So uh, it was cool to be able to stay close close to family. But uh, you know, I always, uh, you know, I was always looking to go somewhere else, and uh, you know, it was kind of a blessing in disguise. Everything that happened. I don't think many people know, at least I didn't anyway, um, you came into the national consciousness when you were at LSU, but you actually spent a year in Kansas at Butler Community College when you were moving from, from Georgia to LSU, um, and you led the team there that season to an 11-1 record and the JUCO National Championship game. Um, so looking back from where you are now, what did Butler in that season do for your football career? Uh, it got me a chance to just kind of sit back and reflect on what was important in life at that time, and... Uh... You know, I got to focus on football and uh, and school, just being out in the middle of nowhere, and uh, 
you know, it really was a, a great time in my life to be able to uh, just go out there and, and throw the football around, and we were really good. And, uh, you know, Kansas Juco football is definitely a, a way of life, and uh, it was really a great experience, and I'm glad that I got to got to do that. Well, and, and so now LSU. I mean, I, I think you became a household name, at least to, to sports fans anyway, while you were there. And so what goes through the mind of, a, of an Athens kid playing for the Tigers? Um, I mean, honestly, I made the transition easy. Um, you know, you go down there and you just kind of witness the culture down in South Louisiana and, uh, you know, they embrace you like one of their own. So I always felt very, um, very safe and secure with the LSU family. And, uh, yeah, I enjoyed my time there and, uh, wouldn't change it for the world. We'll take a little detour, but where were you and what'd you do for the national championship this year? Yeah, we were in Nashville. My wife and I had a uh, had a group of friends over for the game, and uh, we had some beers and and watched that. And uh, yeah, we were we were happy at the end of the night. That's for sure. Now, I think you lived every quarterback's dream. Not only captaining an SEC powerhouse, but throwing to receivers like Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. Uh, did you know at the time what kind of talent you had in those two guys, and and where they're at now? Yeah, uh, I for sure did. Um, <clears throat> And when you're with them every day, you kind of take that for granted. But uh, we had a coach, Cam Cameron, who was uh, at LSU my senior year, and he had spent a lot of time in the league. And um, from day one when he was at practice, he said those two guys are as good as anyone he's ever coached in the NFL. And, uh, you know, they've lived up to that and, and much more. And, uh, you know, I was very lucky to be able to, you know, have those two guys to throw to. Now, in your, your two years uh, as LSU starter, you went 19-6 and six and were the first Tigers quarterback to throw for over 2,500 yards in back-to-back seasons. Um, so I'd say that's a pretty healthy bounce back from from where your college career started at UGA. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely had a good opportunity to play there and, uh, you know, wish I could have made more of it and, and lost fewer games. But, uh, yeah, it was just it was a great experience to be kind of the – you know, the the quarterback on campus and just how that whole culture down there with football is. And, uh, yeah, um, you know, like I said, I wish it could have had more. And, you know, obviously being in the offense they have now would have been great. But, uh, but yeah, we uh, we did really well with what we did, and that was run the ball and then throw it to our good playmakers out there, Odell and Jarvis. NFL Draft 2014, you were a sixth-round pick of the Titans. What do you remember about draft day and, and getting that call? I was sitting on a boat dock in Alabama at my aunt and uncle's when I got the call. And, um, you know, it's just everything you dream of as a kid. And to get that call to know that you're going to be playing in the NFL or at least have the opportunity to play in the NFL is a, is a lifelong accomplishment and, uh, you know, really special memory. So you get to Nashville. The Titans had a, a crowded quarterback room in your rookie year with yourself, Charlie Whitehurst, and Jake Locker. Um, but by October, you were named the starter. Uh, do you have a moment in the middle of the season to look around and think to yourself, like, wow, I'm an, I'm an NFL starter now? Does that not even compare to an SEC starter? I mean, yeah, it's, just, it's one of 32. I mean, that's that's how you think of it. I mean, that's the smallest, you know, smallest elite group of, of athletes in the world, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, it's a big accomplishment to be named a starter and to, to be a starter in the NFL team. And, uh yeah, I mean, I, I put myself in a position to where the coaching staff trusted me to uh, to go ahead and, you know, start halfway through the season as a six-round guy. That doesn't really happen. And, uh, you know, I tried to make the most of it, but obviously fell short in all my attempts to win a game. And, uh, 
you know, it was tough, but, you know, you grow and learn from that, and it was uh, it was obviously a good enough experience that I still stay there and live in Nashville now. So, um, yeah. Well, and it's an interesting time to be talking about the – the Titans quarterback situation is they're, you know, they're kind of in flux right now, even in conversations for Tom Brady. Um, you know, the net, your second season, the Titans drafted Mariota with a second overall pick. Um, you still played in seven games and started four of them that year uh, due to injuries to Marcus. But how did your second season with the Titans compare to the first when you didn't have the, the high profile draft pick in the, in the room? Um, it was, it was the same. Um, you know, Marcus was a, was a great guy to go into work with every day. Um, as was as Jake and uh, Charlie the year before, so we had a good group. And uh, you know, when when you have guys in the room that you can work with and work together, um, you know, it makes it a joy to go into work every day and uh, compete with guys like that. But uh, you know, the transition was pretty much the same. Uh, I had a job, and I was to back Marcus up and uh, be ready for anything that could happen. And uh, again, had my opportunities to win some games and, and didn't make the most of it. After the Titans, you were you were inside two other NFL organizations uh, during the 2016 season: the Chargers during the off season and the Steelers during the season. Um, what sort of knowledge do you gain from seeing inside multiple organizations in that short amount of time, having to learn playbooks that often and that quickly? The football part was always the easiest. Um, you know, X's and O's always kind of came easy to me. Um, but it is interesting seeing how different organizations operate. You really see firsthand that it starts from the top with every every one of these organizations and uh you know seeing seeing a team like you know tennessee and san diego at the time the chargers uh compared to when i was in pittsburgh it was it was a huge difference to how they ran the teams um and obviously it relates to the success that those two teams have had so uh it was very um not the best experience because you know you want to stay somewhere just sure, one place yeah. for your whole career but uh but no, it was a very cool experience to kind of see how different organizations operate. If I remember correctly, you were a late addition to the Spring League 2018 in Austin. Um, how did you find out about the Spring League and ultimately apply and then get accepted to play in it? Um, Johnny got on board, actually, and then I talked to my agent. And we were able to get on late to do the Spring League, and, uh, and it was a great experience. You know, Austin was, uh, was an awesome place to, to spend the couple weeks we were there. Um, to compete against a guy like Johnny was, uh, you know, every day was a great, you know, great experience in itself just to see a guy who, uh, you know, operated at such a high level in college uh, to kind of see how he went in day in and day out with his stuff. But, yeah, it was it was just really a fun experience. So when this time came around, I had the opportunity. You know, I jumped on it quick because I knew that, you know, Brian runs a pretty good good organization with this uh, the spring league and, you know, like I said, any opportunity to play football is, uh, is special. Now, it seems to be the story with your pro career. Uh, you signed with the Memphis Express of the AAF in 2019 and quickly worked your way into the starter role. Um, unfortunately, your season was cut short by an ankle injury before the league's, you know, stopped operations. But uh, looking back, how do you view that league and that opportunity given the unfortunate downfall that we know about now? Any opportunity for me to play football is, uh, is something I'm going to take advantage of, you know. You're not really, you know, a guy in my position is not guaranteed to touch the football field too many more times. So, uh, like I said, anytime there's an excuse to get out there and throw the football to some guys in pads, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to jump on that. And uh, the AAF was a interesting experience. We weren't a very, very good team in that league. And, uh, you know, Memphis, we had uh, some adversity just meeting every day. Um, 
But like I said, it was an opportunity to play football, and you know I tried to make the most of that. So, so you, you just mentioned it, but you, you returned to the Spring League two weeks ago for the league's first ever game against a non-Spring League opponent, which was the Japanese national team. Did you have any idea before that that this level of interest in American football existed in Japan? I did not. I figured, you know, just because there's so many people over there, there was probably some popularity with the sport. Um, but now, in hindsight, I understand that it's uh, it's much bigger than anything I could have guessed. Uh, but it was awesome, awesome time to be able to go out there and compete against guys from such a different background and culture from us. And, uh, you know, just see how disciplined and organized they were, you know, things you would expect from a Japanese team. And, uh, like I said, it was a great experience to go out there and uh, compete against guys from a different culture and, uh, you know, kind of see that, you know, differences in people aren't, you know, aren't so different when you get out on the football field. As someone who's been to the top of the, the football mountain, what, how do you, um, how did you see their play and, and their players um, kind of stack up? You know, they're always in the right zone. They're always, their eyes are always on the right guy. Um, you know, they're just going to get beat sometimes just not having the athleticism. But from a, you know, organizational standpoint and structure standpoint, those guys were as disciplined and uh, made as, you know, a few mistakes as you could, you could want as a defensive coach. Now, you're, dare I say, Brady-esque in your red zone quarterback sneak ability, uh, you know, in both Austin and Dallas, and I, I believe also with Memphis, you had keepers for TDs and, you know, in very short periods of time. Is this just a field position coincidence, or do you enjoy the contact and challenge of doing it yourself? Literally just falling uh, into success is what <laughs> QB sneak That's is. That's what a QB sneak is. And, uh, yeah, I've been, been real lucky the last few times I've uh, – carry the ball, but at the same time, I don't have to go very far. Perhaps this isn't a surprise for an NFL-level quarterback, but I see you on the field, and you're not only able to process information incredibly quickly, but uh, you've embraced the role of helping other guys at other positions realize their potential, um, which is obviously very important in, at the Spring League. Do you see coaching in your future whenever that day comes, or you know, hopefully that's no time soon? We'll see. I mean, I, I know I want football in my life in some, in some form. Uh, don't know if it's going to be coaching, playing, or, or what, but, um, you know, we see, we'll see. I just enjoy the game so much and enjoy, you know, being able to, you know, give what little information I know about the game to, to guys who are a bit younger than me. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that I always looked forward to was to get help from other people who had experienced it a little bit more. And, uh, you know, really that's what I'm just trying to do is just kind of help these guys, you know, just get it a little bit better just on a you know mental side of things uh in your first spring league game day uh of the las vegas camp which was last saturday um your las vegas hughes were undefeated with a 2-0 record on a day with a you know a very interesting kind of game format um counting the japan game this was your first two games back from your ankle injury in memphis so where does your health stand as of today and how are you feeling uh my ankle's fine um you know i'm, I'm a year out of surgery and have been doing well with that for the last few months. Um, some days are better than others, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm feeling good. Now, last question. I mean, I said before we started recording, your wife's actually in the room, and I think this is the first live podcast uh, we've ever done. But between uh, meeting you in 2018 and seeing you again here in 2020, you're married and you're actually uh, expecting your, your first son. So how does that affect um, your play on the field? Does it make you a different – does being a different person make you a different player? Uh, not – Necessarily, I don't know. I mean, it's um, I still operate the same that I would if I didn't have a pregnant wife. Um, 
you know, I don't think that's ever going to change, uh, you know, but uh, off the field for sure, you know, it's, it's a whirlwind and uh, life moves fast. Well, you've got a meeting to go to. We uh, we got this interview done just in time, and I wanted to put on the official record, thank you for the Waffle House uh, <laughs> in Dallas. <laughs> You're welcome, Golden Rod. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Spring Forward. My thanks to Zach for sitting down with me, and of course for being the marquee player in Dallas and Las Vegas for the Spring League. You can follow The Spring League on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Spring League. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Alex Goldstick. All music was provided to The Spring Forward podcast by Joshua Rosner. Until next time, later. Later.